0: LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station.
1: You're very welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport David Sheehan with you until 3 o'clock the last LMFM Sunday Sport of 2020. In a little while we'll be looking ahead to the All-Ireland Ladies Final with Jenny Rispin Uh, but before that we're going to chat to a man who recently retired after a stellar career in the League of Ireland which was topped off with a fifth FAI Cup winners medal to go with his five league medals and three League Cup wins I am of course talking about Gary Rogers and he joins me on the line now. Um, Gary it's been a little over a week since you announced your retirement even though I know it's something that was in your mind for quite a while. Was it a strange feeling to finally come out and, and uh, let everybody know you're hanging up the gloves
0: yeah I suppose it is David I look it, it, it's obviously something I've thought about what's um, watching a rash decision it's one of those things like I'm 39 and you know it's time to move on as well and I just felt that it was um, it was a nice way to finish it off I don't think I would have been as happy uh, if we had a lost the cup final, but I'm certainly, you know, I've no regrets about the decision I've made, um, and it's been, uh, I suppose, it's been an enjoyable week, <laughs> putting the feet up, and uh, I suppose reflecting, and I've had some lovely messages and 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 phone calls and stuff like that, kind of people getting in touch with me over the last um, over the last week or so, so it's been really nice, you know.
1: Yeah, I saw your your arrival from uh, from Tramark Rovers, Alan Mann has had some nice things to say about you, and he was giving you great praise in terms of the standards you'd set over the years. Um, it must be nice to hear things like that from, from players like him indeed, as you said the, the general kind of outpouring of, of goodwill you've had since you, you made the announcement
0: Yeah I look I've seen that from Alan but he also texted me there as well he sent me a lovely message yesterday and had a message from Seamus Coleman the day before so like there's been, there's been an awful lot of people who got in touch with me over the last week or so so it's, it's been nice you know, to kind of know that you're hell in, in that regard, and it, it's been, you know, it's been it's been uh, it's been lovely for me for the, you know, the, the message of support and stuff that I've got over the last week. So then, look, it's just I suppose you know you put a lot into your career, and and it's nice to think that you know you, you made a bit of a difference.
1: I was talking to James Rogers last week, who you'll know well, about about the season that Dundalk have had, and I was sort of saying to him that you know it, it wasn't the most successful season that Dundalk have had in recent years when you consider all the success you have had, but it's hard to think of a, of a more eventful one. What was it like to be in the middle of it with the Europa League and everything else that was going on?
0: It's certainly been an eventful one. I don't know if I, if I remember one being as eventful. I think you know there's probably a book in it. I've actually been contacted about doing a book as well, so it has been a busy week. And um, yeah, look, it, it's been it's been a dramatic year with ups and downs all over the place on the field and off the field and it's certainly been one to to remember. Um, Like I know, I suppose the standards that have been set at the club um, over the last number of years um, you know, probably dictates as not a successful year in terms of what we want to do. Like, I suppose winning the league title is always the main goal, and we fell way short on that this year. But you know, I think you know it's a mark of the players that they were able to, I suppose, overcome such adversity this year and, and go and win a cup final against Shamrock Rovers, which is, you know, the, the top team in the country at the minute.
1: Finishing off, as you said earlier on, with that Cup win was, was a great way to go out, and we've seen players over the years, not too many get to go out on a high like that. If you hadn't have won that final, would there be any way you would have maybe considered going on for another season, or was your mind 100% made up regardless?
0: Um, it was 100% made up once I won the Cup final. <laughs> I knew I knew coming home um, after the game, I'd... I'd... They gave Brian Gartland collared me in the dressing room before, after the game, and mm. he was wondering what was wrong with me. Like I said, look it's my last one, and that he, it was kind of leading into the following week, you know, and he, he had suspected that. Uh, you know, that that's the route I was going to go. So but like I think winning the cup final put the ice on the cake, I wouldn't have been as satisfied to kind of call it a day on on, on a poor note, like, you know, we we it would have been a very disappointing year with no no silverware. Obviously the Europa League was great to qualify, but we didn't get the points that we wanted in that competition either. We've had we had put in some great performance but not no points on the board, so that like you know, you still be disappointed with that, although it is it's you know, the pinnacle of your career to be playing in Europa League group stages.
1: So was there a possibility you would have gone on for another year if you hadn't the had won or was it just it just would have been more difficult to announce you yeah. were finishing
0: yeah look it would have been more difficult to, I think you know to kind of finish off on, on a low note like that like I just think you know I was 100% made up like I was probably 95% on the fence and I, I really wanted to win the cup mm. uh, and to kind of finish off with, with, some, with some silverware because of because of the way we've been over the last number of years and how successful the club has been like it's been a you know it's been a brilliant period to be involved in the club and, and the highs that we've had and the success and, and all the great players that have played at the club and you know it, it's been it's been fantastic.
1: It sounds like Brian Gartland maybe picked up on your on your mood a little bit in the dressing room after the game. Were you a little bit quiet or a little bit kind of um pensive or thoughtful after the after the game in the dressing room that, that he kinda of made that comment to you?
0: Yeah I no, I was yeah I was. I wouldn't have been like <laughs> to the, the the mad celebrations that you would see and in fairness the celebration that you would normally see after a cup final are a little bit more subdued when you don't have mm. fans in the stadiums and stuff like that and it is you know it, it's probably a small bit more reflective than it would be you know the actual mayhem of, of really <laughs> uh, like uh, mad celebrations but like it just um yeah, look, I think the you know, football has changed, and this year with the, obviously everything that's gone on and the pandemic, and you know, no football, uh, no fans in the stadium, which is huge loss to the game. I don't think people really appreciated what fans really bring to the table until you're without them. And look, we were lucky enough, I suppose, to play over Mulder and they had the uh, 600 fans in, and it, it did make a bit of a difference. Although, like it wasn't you know, the, the same sort of atmosphere that you would be accustomed to in a cup final. And, and like, you know, we've all missed, you know, we've all missed something this year. And certainly, football has has really lost out with the with the exclusion of fans from the games.
1: What was Brian Garland's reaction to you there when you when you told him you were finishing up? Had any of the players got any inkling that you were you were going to retire?
0: I, I kind of mentioned it a few times throughout the uh, like, you know, in, in the in that you know. That it may be my last sort of thing, and just kind of floating it in, and seeing what the reaction would be. But the, like, he, he knew he he actually he would have had a fair idea, I suppose. You know, from then on, that I was you know seriously uh, considering it. You know, and um, look, it was one of those things. I met my wife after the game, um, in in the, the after the Arsenal game. We we booked a hotel to kind of have dinner afterwards because I was kind of going to say like I I didn't tell the lads until afterwards and went, we went met the the rest of the team afterwards and, and I told them then that I was that I was definitely retiring and, and stuff like that. So I met her to have a chat with her to make sure I was doing the right thing and because like in fairness to Linda she's been through with it with me throughout my whole career and been brilliant support to me. So I just felt it was right that we had a, a good discussion about it um, because I texted her on the way to the game and said, this is definitely my last game, you know. And she was only really checking into the hotel and never had a chance to respond to me. So it was, um, look, I just felt it was the right decision um, at the right time for me and my family. So it was, um, although it's difficult to make it, it's still it's still certainly the right one to do.
1: Did Linda try and talk you around to give it another year or was she happy enough with your decision?
0: No, she's delighted to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) She probably had more sacrifices than me when it comes to, you know, you know, Everything that goes with football and, and training on the weekends and mornings, and there's no such thing as bank holidays and all the rest. So mm. um, it, it's huge sacrifices on your family around you, uh, not just the, what you, you sacrifice yourself in terms of the commitment that you give, but like you know, there is people that support you that pay pay the price as well. And a lot look, they're obviously happy to do that because they're your your family and that. But it is it is difficult. I suppose over over the last 20 years, um, I, I, I couldn't tell you about the amount of weddings and family functions that we missed. Mm. Along the way, so like she's been terrific support to me.
1: When you look back on your career, we mentioned at the top there all the the honors you've won. Is there one day that stands out uh, above all the others?
0: Um, I, I suppose when we last that recently over the last week or so, it's hard to, it's hard to say because we've been fortunate that we've had great moments and. You know, you think of the, the Bate borisov game is probably the game that probably defines the Dundalk era, really, because of that, you know, getting into the group stage for the first time. But, like, there's obviously, you know, games where you've had real personal highs, like, you know, the Riga penalty shoot, or the penalty shootout this year in, in Sheriff, and, and they were personally very satisfying because, you know, we'd lost cup finals on penalty shootouts, and that kind of eats away at you, and it was good to kind of get um, a couple of wins in the Europa League and Champions League Um off the back of penalty shootouts, but like, I think the Baté game is the one game that, that that really stands out. And I think you know any player that was involved that day or at the club and even supporters will remember that as, as being probably the pinnacle. Even though the, the, the game the following week is really a bigger game because you're playing you're playing um, to get into the Champions League group stages. But that game and the manner in which we won was was, was outstanding.
1: Just to touch on some of the other areas in your career, you were were chairman of the PFAI so clearly issues faced by players in the league is something that's close to your heart. When, When you look back how things were at the very beginning of your career in the league compared to now, do you think things have improved for players significantly or at all?
0: um it's it's hard to gauge there obviously are there are major improvements in terms of you know the way the clubs and the licensing system that's been put into place and you know you don't see the ty- the days where players now go without wages now, there's obviously so I suppose difficulties in terms of uh, the length of contracts that go, and they vary from club to club. And you've got amateur, semi-professional, and you've got professional. But then you've got professional clubs who give 40-week contracts and 42, and some clubs that don't pay for pre-season, and some clubs that do. So there's huge disparities between, you know, the, the, the contractual situation, and that is a major difficulty for players. And, and you know, you look at probably Sean Gannon and, and Sean Hoare, and they've got great security now from Shamrock Rovers. Although we'll be going to see them leave Dundalk. And I'm sure I know it was a difficult decision for them themselves to go, but the security that they will get from a three-year contract on 52 weeks is massive. And in our league, sadly, it you know it's not all that that common. And and that's probably the one major area that people don't see. You know the difficulties for, for players, you know, and families and stuff like that. But it is it's a tough league to kind of you know to get by on as well. And look, although you know at Dundalk and Rovers, you're looking at the top clubs and, and you know you, but you have to earn your right to get to them top clubs as well so it's not, it's, it's not the easiest um, I suppose living if you like
1: yeah absolutely and I just wanted to touch on, on the way things are at Dundalk at the moment because your time at the club predated the Peak 6 era so you would have seen it firsthand how that kind of changed is Dundalk FC a very different place now than it was before Peak 6 took over?
0: Look, it's certainly changed a lot you know you, you look at the, the personnel that's changed like on and off the field and I think even this year I suppose with, with so many players out of contract you wouldn't have you know that wouldn't be the case I suppose in the Stephen Kenny year, if you like like I even remember like players being signed up well before the, the end of the season and uh, getting the business done a little bit earlier I do think that you know the club have probably missed a trick this year in terms of getting players signed I think the ideal time to, to do that would have been to um to sit down with players after the the, the Claxic game, when everyone was on a high, and after reaching the the group stages of Europa League, I think, you know, for the players that they wanted to keep, there's always going to be players that that you know will have time to to prove themselves as well in the last three months of the season. But I think then we would have been the time to start addressing the contract issues because we know the, the amount of players that were out of contract, and now you've gone and lost a lost couple of players and maybe a couple of more along the way. So it's, uh, it's certainly changed in that regard.
1: Would you have spoken to anybody in, in a position of authority? I mean, obviously you're a player whose reputation um, is kind of unrivaled almost in a you're there so long. Would you have expressed any concerns to anybody in, in kind of in power at the club that, that things needed to be gotten a hold of quick? Because this contract situation has been rumbling on the whole season. No, this isn't a surprise to anybody that players are now leaving, especially the likes of Sean Gannon. And we saw Vinny Perch during the week talking about how it breaks his heart to see Sean Gannon in a shirt. Sean Hoare, as he mentioned as well. So would you have spoken to anybody in a position of authority at the club to maybe let them know that they need to get their skates
0: on on that yeah well look you, you, you speak to the manager really and fairness to the manager it's hard to lay the blame on his doorstep because he's only recently signed his own deal so it, it, it's, it's a difficult one like you know to address because there's so many, I suppose, instabilities involved. Look, the manager hadn't signed his deal, and then they're bringing in a new director of football. With Jim Jilton, is in there, and I think Jim will be a good appointment. You look at his um, his experience and knowledge of not only our league but the Northern League and the, and the English game, and I think you know it will be it, it'll prove to be a good appointment. But it, having said that, it, it's it's still. I still think the club has missed a trick in terms of getting, you know, you don't want that high turnover of players that that you're going to experience this year. And it hasn't been, I suppose, the success of, you know, the Dundalk era, if you like, has been built on the stability of the squad and and there wasn't whole whole uh, sale changes from year to year. It was, you know, the minimal number you would have the squad of maybe 15, 16 there and, and, you know, you could have had two or three players to that and you would keep that continuity uh and you know that that will be lost this year. So it will be it will be a little bit more difficult to kind of to expect and demand that that league title that, that has become the norm at the club. So I think, you know, you'll have to give a little bit of leeway to, to the, the group of players that will be there next year because of the high turnover um you will see in, in, in not just the playing staff but the staff around around the club as well.
1: One of the things that that kind of, from, from the outside looking in, I was really just confused as to why this situation was allowed to develop in, around the contracts. And it kind of seemed to me like either they were happy to let these guys go or it was just kind of inaction and, and not taking the, the bull by the horns. Can you kind of make any sense of how this situation has been allowed to develop? Because from the outside looking in, it's it's quite confusing to me, I must admit.
0: Yeah, it, look, it's a difficult difficult one to see. And then you look at and the situation now, it, it appears to be that, that one-year deals are, are, are the order of the day. And, and look, a one-year deal would have always been um, the order of the day for me because I'd never get any more than a two in case I'd, I'd keel over in the middle of a contract or something like that <laughs> with my age. So, so it's, um, yeah, it, it's not, it, look, it doesn't breed stability of the club where you're looking at one year deals Like you know I think you look at if you take Sean Gannon's example I think on his last contract he signed a three year deal and the club were all clubs all around the league were talking about you know isn't it great to see players getting three year deals and, and now he's gone and signed another three year deal with John McRover so it's um, look it doesn't it doesn't bode well but it's hard to, to understand the strategy behind it because unless you're in at board level you don't really know what the inner you know, workings are, you know, behind the scenes. So, and for players, um, it's difficult, you know, to get to get that sort of um, grasp on what they're actually thinking and what the strategy is behind the, the, I suppose, the contract situation.
1: The other news that came out this week was that uh, Martin Conley, who's a man I'm sure you, you know very well, has been placed on guarding leave. It seems again another local link with the club that seems to be possibly getting eased out. Is there a kind of fear there that? that Dundalk are in danger and Peak Six are in danger of alienating the Dundalk fans because it's well documented that there are no local players in the squad at the minute. So, you know, are they in danger of losing that kind of link with the with the town?
0: You know, I think it's key... It's key that you're able to rebuild that link. I know it's probably unfair. Like like Martin, obviously he's done tremendous work there and has been there throughout. Um, you know, f- from when I from when I signed at the club, and he has you know great experience and knowledge, and he's on the FAI council as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that uh, over the next over the next month or so. Um, but you know, you do need to tap into into the community. Dundalk is a community club. Um, like it, it's one of those. It, it's like Sligo Rovers. Like Sligo Rovers is. Sligo Rovers first, and Dundalk is the exact same. The kids in Dundalk wear the Dundalk jerseys first and foremost. Like they might support Liverpool or Man United or whoever else, it's it's a Dundalk first uh, approach certainly, and um, you would like to see. You know, stronger links between the community and the club, and, and obviously Martin being being part of part of that. You know, there was obviously strong links there, but like there is good people around Dundalk, so it'll be interesting to see who else comes into into the into the fold and what you know, um, new bodies and new faces come into the club. And you would like to see that they, they would be they would be local and, and you know, and have you know Dundalk at heart as well.
1: Just one final uh, point on this. Then, if you had any advice to to give to the Peak Six guys, I'm sure they they may well listen back to this. Is there any kind of one bit of advice you you would give to the owners in terms of how to kind of you know make the best of the club in the coming years?
0: Yeah, well, I I have to know. That there's probably there's, there's so many areas that you can tap into there. Uh, but I would think you know that that you know. Getting getting in touch with the supporters and, and, and the fans, and, and you know, bringing them more into into and getting them more involved in the club, would be would be a massive plus. And I know there's huge difficulties around that at the minute. When you look at you know the pandemic and, and all that, that entails, and look, we're, we're just I suppose this year we're just glad that we were able to play football and and have that, um, you know, to be able for for the local support to be able to see the teams playing and go to Europa League and stuff like that, but. It's hard to underestimate or, or understand how important the club is to the community and, and the Dock. And it really is. It gives so many people such pride uh, and you know that their club and their town you know, who is so successful and playing in Europa League group stages. And I think it's really important that that link remains really strong. And that's fundamental, I think, to the success of the Dock and, and the community and the whole club.
1: Absolutely, that's a fair point. Just one final question then for yourself Gary, uh, what are the immediate plans I'm sure you'll be uh, able to enjoy your Christmas dinner at Guild Free and maybe have a, a second helping of stuffing and gravy and everything else that goes with it without having to worry about going back into training in the new year straight away anyway, is that is that the immediate plan before you, you think any any further ahead?
0: Yeah, I, I, it certainly is the immediate plan. I think you know I'm going to enjoy enjoy the Christmas with my family and stuff like that as best you can, and um, certainly won't be worrying about Christmas dinner and go back to pre-season this year. That that is one major plus. But look, I'm, I, I'm kind of open to all opportunities, David. I, I, I haven't um, closed the door, and, that, and it's one of those things like when you're when you're playing football, you're not really like, football. You're you're solely orientated towards that, and it's hard to give anything else. And time, but now it's a case of I'm going to wait and see what opportunities come my way. I've obviously done a sports management degree, and I have my uh, my badges in place for goalkeeping and stuff like that. So I am kind of waiting to see um, what what uh, presents itself, and you know I'll take it from there. But it's you know it's interesting times, and like it's certainly a change a change in my lifestyle and and how I've been going about my life for the last uh, 20 years. But I'm looking forward to a new chapter as well.
1: Absolutely. Listen, Gary, thanks so much for taking the call. We wish all the very best of luck with what comes next and a very happy happy Christmas to yourself, Linda, and the kids.
0: You too, Dev. Thank you very much. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?